When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Today's episode is from Season 2 of The Leadership Journey with Brian Kite. We aired this one in Week 9 of that season, and it's a great conversation on a number of different topics here that affect the leadership and the culture of your team. If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the playlist for all three seasons of our series with Brian Kite. And here's an episode which we called Effort and Commitment. Welcome to another step in the leadership journey, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Kite. Brian, I know we had to uh, p- press pause here to use some of your terms for a week, um, but we're back on track here and ready to talk about some things that can help coaches. So first of all, Brian, tell us where in the world are you right now? As always, Keith, I'm, I seem to be in interesting places each time we talk. Unfortunately, all of the interesting places I've been for the last 10 days have prohibited us from actually recording this conversation. So I apologize to you and the audience for causing a break in the action. But today I'm literally right now on the Bay Bridge between San Francisco and Oakland, driving a rental car, no Uber today. Actually heading over to Cal Berkeley to just kind of engage with the staff a little little bit and see what they got going on with the Bears out in the Pac-12. Very cool. Both from where you're going and where you are right now. I am not sitting on the Bay Bridge. I am in Avon Lake, Ohio. (laughs) enjoying a nice autumn day here, but we're, we're really cruising through the season here. I know in Ohio, it's week nine in high school football as we're recording this. And it's, it's interesting what happens over the course of the season and how different teams evolve. And I, you know, I, my guys out there, my buddies out there in in coaching, seeing, you know, what has gone on with their teams. And like Chuck Kyle here from St. Ignatius says every season, is like a book. And I think that's held true, certainly, for 2018. And for us, really, as we get into this point of the year, as coaches, I think we start to see some things that certainly we're pleased with if everything's going the right way. And and then we have that full spectrum all the way down to teams who things didn't go the right way the whole season, and they're getting to the point where they're going to have to put the equipment away. But we look at that very those various efforts and commitment levels from players. And it's a lot of it doesn't have to do anything with what the record is because I think every team sees this. Every team has this dynamic that as coaches, we see some things that we're not uh, pleased with. We want maybe more effort. We want more commitment. We want more buy-in. And so that's the challenge to us to continue 
uh, to get to that place and to work on those things. I'll, I'll push it maybe even a little further, Keith. Every team has variable effort and commitment levels from players, just like every business does. There, you know, any of you who have any of you who have ever seen me speak live, there's a good chance you've seen me put up the bell curve slide or the 108010 slide and talk about the distribution. And we could look at that competitively. Uh, we could also look at it from an effort perspective. If you if you take a hundred percent of your team, not everybody on your team gives the same kind of effort level. Not every person on your team cares as much. They just don't. It's it's different. And one of the real frustrating parts is when as a coach, it feels like you care more than the players care. And did, did you ever feel that when you were coaching? Yeah, I, I think you, you feel like that in any situation. I think feeling that way about some certain guys on some teams that were really good, and then obviously you, maybe you see a little bit more on those teams that have struggled, but certainly it's, it's maybe that frustration because you think that guy should be in a different place. Maybe you see his talents differently than he does. Uh, maybe you see that he could be more of a value to the team than he does, but you don't see the the commitment level or effort behind it, and I think that causes some frustration. Now I want to I want to introduce one other thing, or at least a dynamic that pops up with that, and then and then come back and talk about these two things together. When there is various effort levels and commitment levels, there's a number of things that you see in a program from players when they do that. Anyone who's coached has had the experience and has the experience all the time, right? There's the players who do not just everything they're asked, but they look for ways to do even more things. They look for ways to be ahead of the curve. They look for ways to be prepared. They capture every opportunity to get better. And they're frankly, your most reliable players and you, you count on them to, to take care of themselves. And some of them you can even count on to take care of other players. Not all of them, but some of them. Then there's the next group that will do everything you ask, but if you don't ask them to do it, they don't do it. Then there's players who will eventually do the stuff you ask, but you have to hound them. Then there are players who won't do the things that you ask. They'll do most of them, but if you are not on top of them, they will find ways to whatever it is, or they'll be late or whatever it would be. Then there's players who only do half the things that you ask, and you know, you keep you keep running down the line, and there's this distribution, right? Does that that basic distribution resonate with you, Keith? Is that is that similar to your coaching experience? Yeah, definitely. And I think the the thing I heard as you went through that kind of continuum of where these guys might fall is, you know, you hit a part right there, all the way to the end, where you had those guys who were compliant, ranging all the way to the guys who were defiant, and I think, you know. I've talked to you about this before. I've heard you talk about it. There's, that's not a situation you want to be in, really, with with either of those groups. No, it's not. And and back to the, one of the themes that seems like we talk about most, if not every week, is if you don't want to deal with all of that stuff, get out of coaching. Because I, I still I still hear too many coaches, Keith, in every sport who resent having to deal with that, as if at this point in life we should players and high school athletes should know not to do that. They don't, or they do, but they still have to go through it. I mean, I could point to, I could point to a dozen or 30 things in coaches that frankly we've known for so long and you watch coaches make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And, you know, why do you continue to make the same mistakes and have to learn the same lessons that people knew 30 years ago as well? 
So, you know, if you don't want to deal with that stuff or navigate through it or frankly push reset on it year after year, you have two choices, get out of coaching or get better. And that's what the, you know, that's what the competitive, aggressive side of me says to coaches is, you know, if you don't like having to deal with that, then you have to get a lot better to flatten that out more in your program. Or if you're not interested in doing that, then get out of coaching because you're going to have to. So first, that's just a reality. Second is on that, on that pathway, there's how players, what player, what you want and how you want players to operate. And then there's what players want and how they want to operate. And one of the, one of the fundamental things to understand is that you are always going to want more from the players than they're going to want from themselves. I know coaches say it. I don't actually know if it's true that a coach has ever, that a, that a coach has ever coached on a team where, where the players and all of them or 90% of them exceeded all of the coaches desires and pushed harder than all of the coaches pushed and wanted it more than all of the coaches wanted it. And frankly, were making the, the coach chase their standard and the coach found the, the players had to go back to the coach and say, Hey, you're not good enough for us. I don't, I don't know if that's ever happened. Right. And so, but, but I will hear, I will hear from coaches who typically on the great teams and whether, whether all of that greatness was open in a championship or not, but sometimes you have special teams who for one reason or another don't hit the championship, but you're on those, those teams where a significant percentage of the players were compelled. Like you said, right. a significant number percentage of the players were, were absolutely rock solid chase down competitive, hold each other accountable, trust and love each other kind of players. And the coach had to do very little pushing or only had to do the right kinds and call them. And then the players would take it over. But those are special teams. I mean, I mean, very, very special, special teams to be on and coaches, you know, consider yourselves fortunate when, when, when you get on a team like that, it's the stuff legends are made of most years, you're going to be on a pretty, you know, a team that requires a lot of leadership. So I think this, and I had a, I had a conversation with a coach this morning in a different sport about this. And it was, it was this, let go of any desire for your players to want it as bad as you do. Let go of it completely. I mean, half of a coach's anxiety, when I hear coaches' anxiety about young people, is self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. You want players to do something they're not going to do. I, I, I'm a CEO. My, my, the people in my company don't want it as badly as I do, and I don't expect them to. I'm the CEO. I'm the owner. I want it worse than anyone. It's not possible for you to want it as badly as I do when I wake up in the morning. It's not possible. It's also not possible when I'm in front of a group or when I'm on this and I'm speaking on a podcast about how I think about leadership and how I think about competition and how I think about improving and how I think about behavior skills. I don't expect the listeners to feel about it the same way that I feel about it. And so I don't look at a listener or I don't look at an audience member and hold them to the same standard as me and get really mad when they don't meet how bad I want it. Now, I will call them out when I don't feel like they meet a minimum standard, and I've been known in an audience to ask them, why is it that I care more about your team than it feels like you care about your team? But that's not because I want them to get to my level. It's because I don't think they're even meeting the minimum standard for it, and I think they're showing uh, uh, they're, they're at a threat of just needing to not even be there in the room. So players are going to be at variable levels. I think one of the things we need to do as a coach is, 
or two of the things that we can do as coaches, especially if it's in season, is do two things. One, just eliminate or kill off the desire for your players to want it as badly and think of it the same way as you do. And what that means is any part of your script that says, I, I look at this and just, I don't understand how a player can show up and not want to be this competitive or this great or work this hard, et cetera. You have to understand that they're not you. You got to understand that. Just kill that off. They're, they're, they're all over the place. Number two is you start being a really great observer with no judgment. Where is that player? Because if you don't observe the player, you're going to get caught judging them and possibly labeling them as opposed to observing where they are and therefore what they need to start scaling them up, the ability, uh, their ability to, to start uh, uh, desiring it in the right way to meet the standards that you want. So the first is don't expect players to want it the way you want it and just kill that off because all that will do is make you frustrated, anxious, and frankly, you're, you're using a comparison that doesn't even exist. Second is observe the players and observe where they are, what matters to them, what their effort level seems to be, so that you can treat them as they are, not as you wish they were. If you're treating them as you wish they were, that's a version of them that doesn't exist. They are who they are, and they are where they are. What is a coach's job? Take a player from where they are and get them what? Get them better. Better. Get them better. But if you want a player to be something they're not, that's a recipe for frustration. And when you get frustrated, you're probably not the best version of you. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with that yeah. 100% that, you know, that player and everybody's had them in their career one time or another and currently has them. And, you know, there, there's that player that you just wish could be in another place. You think he can, but you can't control you know, you can't control some of those things that he believes right now 100%. You're not going to, I guess you can't revert to, you know, we talked about this, the command and control way of getting him there. It has to be a, a little bit of a different way. You're going to have to stretch yourself maybe in, in what you've done as a coach. It's easy to coach the guys who do everything you want them to do, who are meeting those standards. It becomes more difficult when uh, – there's that guy who's not and not in the place you think he should be. But ultimately you have to raise the level of that guy or he's going to, in some ways, whether it's now or later, he's going to be a detriment to your program. And honestly, the responsibility is partially yours on, on where he's at as part of your team. It is. And that I find that that mindset. And again, I, I think coaches, you know, sometimes not just coaches, everybody, I get the, I get the benefit because of the field that I'm in of, revolving around these conversations a lot you know how do I deal with this and what do I do with that and I get to listen to all of the answers and I get to hear and listen to all of the questions and then I get to watch how coaches implement and I see the coaches that implement really well I see the coaches that implement okay uh, I see the coaches that implement poorly I, I see the whole thing right and so so when I when I think about how a coach deals with variable and disappointing sometimes effort and commitment levels from players. And I think to myself, what is it the great coaches do? What is it that average coaches do? What is it that the poor coaches do? The, the, the coaches who don't get the results and don't move players and don't have their trust and lose their locker rooms. 
the first thing is is a is a gap in mindset between a coach and a player where the coach simply has expectations that they that they project onto a player where they expect the player to be the same as the coach and the coach's standard it has to be the player's standard you need to have standards but your standards need to apply by decision it's not yours I mean, it'd be, it'd be the same, Keith, as, as me being the CEO and saying everybody in my company has to think like I think, has to have the same level of co- competitiveness that I have. But that would make no sense. Like, you would just transfer the environment. That, that doesn't make sense. My job as CEO is to make sure that my people are the best versions of themselves that, and that they go on a journey of getting better all of the time at who they are and how they operate within our business. Yes, I have standards, but my job is to apply the standards that work for our business, not the same standard as me. It's just not reasonable to expect them to think that way. And then, and then on the second piece of observe, I think this is probably the next thing that coaches dealing with variable effort levels and commitment levels can deal with and, and do with the observation they have. And it's, it's two things. I don't, I don't recall if we've ever actually talked about this, Keith. It's freedom and structure, or flip it around, structure and freedom. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that is, how do you move those two levers, structure, structure and freedom, based on where the effort and commitment level is? Well, what would you do with structure and freedom for a player or a group of players who have demonstrated significant commitment, significant effort, and meeting all of the standards that you are putting out if, or most, if not all of the standards you are putting out, how much freedom and how much structure do those players need? And what would, what would your, based on your observation, what do you think you would do with structure and freedom more or less, et cetera? How would you do structure and freedom with players like that? Well, I I think when I'm thinking of that and we're talking kind of two situations, both on and off the field, but ultimately this is about what those guys do. Their job is to get out on the field and perform and I kind of always, I used the term I learned from Andrew Coverdale. He called it educated freedom. So initially, he's going to provide that structure. He's going to provide all the scaffolding as a teacher and a coach of the game to to get them there. And when they show that you know they're they're doing what they need to do, then he starts to let them have some freedoms with what they're doing. So from a from a X and O perspective, for example. You might have two receivers out in a twins formation, and one of those guys know, hey, in this situation with what I'm seeing, it's more advantageous for me to be up on the ball and for my buddy to be back. So he moves up, and he tells that guy move back. And it's not within the structure. It's not what the coach called, but he has that ability now to put himself in a better position because he's done all the things coaches asked him to do. He has that understanding as well that he can go out and essentially take ownership of that situation and I think I might be talking about it Brian in in different terms than you want to relate right now but I think that's that's part of the equation those guys still have that structure but now their ability to to execute to perform within there they have some range with where they can go to to best suit their skills to best suit them as well as it's not all about them as well as best suit the team the the principle applies across the board, Keith, and you're, you nailed it. You nailed it. You provide structure as a coach, and then players have freedom 
within the structure that you provide. And so players who are highly committed because you've observed, they're not highly committed in theory. They're not highly committed in words. They are highly committed in action. And that only happens by observing a player and letting a player not tell you who he is, but what? Show you who he is. And when you observe that, then that player doesn't need as much structure from you. And that structure could be anything. They don't need to be told exactly, you know, they don't need to be told arrive an hour early so that they're not accidentally late. Because, you know, if you tell that player one time to be there at the time you say, that player will be there 15 minutes before that because that player makes that decision. That's how committed they are, which means you don't have to call and check up on that player. You don't need the night before reminder. That player needs somewhat less structure and they get more freedom because they have demonstrated through observation that they don't need it. They've earned the right to more freedom and less structure, not none, just less. That can be an on-field, off-field, workout, game plan, execution, Friday night thing. It can be anywhere. But what about the players who aren't as committed, who don't put as much effort? What do they need more of and what then gets taken away? They need more structure and less freedom within it. But you do it in a way where you are not judging them and you're not angry at them. You are doing it because they have demonstrated through observation that when given more freedom and not as much structure, they have not demonstrated the ability to consistently meet the standard. And so you pull some of that freedom away, you provide more of the structure until what? They demonstrate they can meet the standard with the freedom within the structure that you're providing. And there's a nice sliding scale. It's not perfect. It's a combination of art and science. But I, the, the conversation I had this morning with a coach was, was, was one where she was asking, I've got a, a there's an event and it was a, it was a leadership event. And, and I was putting it out to my players and they were all asking me, well, do I have to go? And can I come at this time? And can I come late? And, and she was providing all of this freedom uh, and she was trying to let them make their own decisions through this. But she had a standard that she wanted them to meet and she was providing this freedom and they were basically walking all over it. And she found herself asking, answering 30 questions. And all of them were finding ways to skirt showing up to, I think it was a day-long symposium. I'll just, I'll just make sure for our purposes, a day-long leadership symposium where they had a ton to learn. And they were all basically trying to find ways to not come or not have to do as much or whatever it was. So she provided all of this freedom and she was getting really frustrated that the players didn't want to want to go and learn more about leadership because she did. And I, 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 you know, we just, again, we had this conversation and it was so applicable to our conversation today. How do you fix that? Or what, or what do you do with that? Not fix. How, what do you do with that? Well, you tell them you're all going to come to this meeting. You're going to be here at this time. You're going to dress in this way and you'll have a pen and you'll have a full blank pad of paper with you. I'll see you at 7 a.m. We will be done at 5 p.m. This is mandatory attendance. We will sit together and we will review our notes when we are done. There's the structure. Mm -hmm. Oh, do I have to come? Did you see the mandatory part? Yes. Do not ask a question about something I have already communicated to you because it is there. If you have a question about how we're going to do this, I'm more than willing to hear them. But if, if a team is going to push all of those things, well, then tell them what you need to do to meet the standard that you're going to have them meet. Because if the team's not at that level, then they just haven't demonstrated the commitment level to meet the standard you're asking for. So – that freedom gets pulled away and I'm giving you more structure. And then they learn how to work like a champion. But most people don't come out of the box. They have to be taught how to work like a champion. I, I did. I didn't come out of the box like that. 
I had to be provided more structure, not less, in order to learn how to operate with discipline and how to be great in you know football and business and all these areas. So there's a there's a sliding scale of structure and freedom, and don't view structure as control. Don't view structure as authority. Don't view structure as a tool to hold over people's head. Structure is guidance. Structure is standards. Structure is think they're they're like the uh, you ever been bowling with the bumper rails? <laughs> Stru- structure is ensuring that the person continues down a path that is going to help them. If someone follows your structure, they ought to perform better. Now, they might not like early portions of it, and they might feel constrained early. That's okay. But as they move down the path of your structure, and they have the freedom within it to bounce left, bounce right off the rails, okay. But by the time they get towards the end, and by the time they, they, they have operated within that structure for a while, we are on the hook. I heard you use the word earlier. We are responsible for making sure they are better because of it and that they learn how to move their way down it without all of that structure from us so that we slowly take that structure away and hand them more freedom as they go. Brian, do you feel that in this whole thing? Because I see at times leaders lean on, I've gave you the structure and you're not where you need to be and it ends there. What's the feedback loop? What what can we do, I guess, to adjust along the way when we see we have those situations? Because sometimes it's not that player might change over the course of the season. He might have been giving, given a ton of effort early on and then not as much later in, in you know, maybe hammering structure and just leaning on that 100% doesn't help. So how do you troubleshoot that situation? The first thing would be think of it as a constantly live dynamic, not a static one. We, we tend to be guilty a lot of times in coaching, and this is where I think we do need to be self-aware and honest and have a lot of humility with this, where we can flip a switch pretty quick as coaches and flip, flip from – I'll give you two common ones. We can flip from – there's two big camps out there. There's a lot of coaches out there who are all about the why, the why, the why, the why, and that tends to be more freedom or structure-oriented. Uh, that's a little bit more – hmm, that's a good question. I guess that's. I would take freedom. You think it's freedom? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think when you explain the, I think explaining the why is helping a player find his why and tap into it. it, and then use his why to help him make his own decisions, and and that's much more freedom oriented. Got it. Whereas command and control and authority, right? You you know my way, yeah, you do right. my way. That's more what? That's more of the. That's structure. The structure. Side. Yeah. And and t- the camps tend to be, flip a switch, one or the other. And the downside of the why is not real practical. And, and, and frankly, the why doesn't help you a whole lot in the 11th period of a Wednesday practice. <laughs> because at the, in the 11th period of a Wednesday practice, there's things you need to be doing and standards you need to be doing them too. And the why is a long way away. But the command and control side, when a player has to make a decision in when they're out on the field – or in a summer where you're not there, that freedom part comes back in, and that why and that, that player making his own decision needs to tap in a lot more. And so it's a sliding scale, and that's why I talk about observe. You have to observe, and based on what you observe, you take different action. The more you see, 
somebody making the right decisions, doing the right things and getting better at it, what do you do? You give them a little bit more freedom, but what? Trust, but verify. I'm going to give you a little more freedom. And let's watch how you take it. Mm-hmm. Let's watch what you do with it. And everything is earned. Yeah. And then, and then it's what? It's not, it's not yo-yoing. It's not, it's not flipping a switch back and forth. It's incremental changes as you go. And a little bit, a little bit more uh, freedom earned is or a little bit more responsibility and commitment demonstrated is a little bit more freedom earned. And then I'm going to, I'm going to allow you a little bit more space and a little bit more space. Also what? A little commitment questioned, a little effort, not quite good enough. I'm going to take a little bit more of it away from you. Not all of it. Just I'm going to scale it back a little bit. I'm going to watch you a little more closely. I'm going to stand by your drill. We're going to have a little tighter conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to, make a clear line of sight between your behavior and the consequences that I give to you on that. And I'm going to start to ramp them up a little bit to try to push you back to the commitment level that I just saw you at last week. Like you said, there are, you were, you were on that commitment level. And then I give you a little freedom it happens all the time. You, you, the player is going down a good week and then a second good week and then a third good week. And you, you start thinking they're getting it right. You give them a little bit more freedom and then boom, two rough, bad weeks. They make a couple of bad decisions. As soon as you give them some more freedom, Happens all the time. Okay. Going to go back into the structure a little bit because I thought you were there, but I gave you a little more freedom and I observed you weren't quite ready for it. So we're going to stay with that structure a little more and you're not going to win them all. But this, the balance between this freedom and structure is that, that, that that's a, it's an artistic play as well as a, you know, a science play, but it's dynamic, dynamic. Definitely. And as I listen to you explaining that, thinking of it from the, the terms of the coach, and you're you're giving them that freedom. You know, you do need them at some point to go out there and on the fly make some decisions on their own. I always talk to guys like, hey, I don't need robots out there running the lines for me. And I think, again, this, this applies on and off the field. But understanding sometimes and saying, you know, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? It goes back to maybe there wasn't that complete understanding of, the structure you provided and you have to go back to that again and maybe implement some of that a little bit more before you can expect them to go out and have again the 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 ability to go out there and do right with the freedom you're giving them and it it runs it runs the entire spectrum you know the reasons for why we do the things we do are everything under the sun when i hear you ask that question the first thing i thought of when you asked that when you're asking a player, why did you, why did you do what you just did? I, I picture that thing that you see from teenagers so often where they kind of give you that blank face, open mouth and kind of put their hands up and go, I don't know. And then, and then they kind of give you some mumbled answer and, and you, you, you know, you feel like you're banging your head against the wall sometimes. And that's the artistic side is, and, and frankly, why you can't flip a switch because that's frustrating. Right. And if you allow that frustration to run you, then you're going to go right to the command and control and no freedom and all structure. And then the player is going to resent you. And then they're upset and, you think you're teaching them a lesson and doing them a favor, but really all you're doing is punishing them harder and, and doing something because you're frustrated, which frankly deserves the criticism onto us. And we need to be better than that. Yeah. And it's not that you can't be frustrated. It's not, that you can't be frustrated. It's not that you can't have genuine emotion and not that you can't use that emotion to engage with a player or do something or be soft on players in any way, shape or form. But this is about being skillful with it. And about, and about sliding that and teaching players more responsibility. And frankly, it's a huge part of, of my mission as, as our owner and CEO and our business's mission is to help coaches and players build the discipline they need to do the things they want. And that is I want players 
to be able to make their own decisions and not have to be told. That's what I want. But the journey for getting them there often requires a lot of structure over a long period of time in teaching them how to slide out from underneath being told what to do to figuring out how to do it themselves. And that's coaching, that's leadership, that's parenting. Mm-hmm. Brian, some very good points today on how we deal with those various effort and commitment levels from players. I think some great insight you pre- provided there today. BK, it was great to speak with you here. Thank you for taking the time from the West Coast, and I look forward to our next step in this journey. Thanks, brother. Me too.